0: Hello, my name is El Todd Wood, and welcome to the first episode or uh, edition of the Ukraine SITREP show. Uh, We decided, and we're going to develop some graphics and all this, this was kind of put together quickly because we want to bring to our audience at armedforces.press really what's happening in Ukraine because it's kind of uh, just chaos right now, and it's really hard to make sense of it all. So we want to try to do that uh, week to week, every Sunday at 3.30 30. Uh, We'll be here talking with different experts. We have today with us Pete Blaber, who is a former commander of an elite special forces counterterrorism group. Uh, We can't name the group, but um, Pete is a really interesting guest, and we're going to have a discussion with him. I I talked with him yesterday, and I I recorded this, but uh, first, we're going to go into some of the details in Ukraine as to what's happening. As far as my background, I uh, graduated from the Air Force Academy, where I studied Russian And then I uh, flew MH-53Js for the 20th Special Operations Squadron, at Herbert Field in Florida. Uh, We were responsible for uh, basically long-range insertion and extraction for counter-terror teams, uh, Navy and uh, Army uh, via JSOC. So that was uh, back in the early 90s. I then uh, went to Wall Street. um, And obviously in the military, I studied a lot of Russian threat systems, et cetera, military equipment studied or traded emerging market debt, focusing on Eastern Europe as one of my specialties, Russian-Ukrainian debt, uh, back in the 90s in the first part of this uh, century. And uh, then I left and started just traveling around Eastern Europe, turned into a national security job at the Washington Times, reporting on primarily Eastern Europe. I wrote a column for the Washington Times called Behind the Curtain uh, for several years. And then we started our own Entity, czarism.com, T S A R I Z M, which is our site, uh, which has grown into a global media company. But czarism focuses on Eastern Europe. So I built a network in Ukraine uh, starting in 2014 with a variety of sources government, um, NGOs, uh, academics, um, and, and analysts. And so I have an extensive group of sources inside Ukraine and have for some time. That became very helpful in 2019 when we broke a lot of stories on the Biden crime family. and their corruption issues in Ukraine. Uh, I love the people, uh, but the government really, including President Zelensky, is not working for the people of Ukraine. Um, That is um, something that is um, very true. And so that is uh, something we'll go into with Pete. I was in uh, Kiev during the invasion uh, and ended up escaping across the Moldovan border on foot. So I have a strong connection with the Ukrainian people. So this uh, nothing I say is against them whatsoever. But I think Zelensky is working for someone else, including you know the World Economic Forum and whoever is creating all this chaos around the world. What is happening here is an information operation. And that is uh, very clear on both sides. Both sides are spewing propaganda. Um, uh, the U.S. has a merc- uh, mercenary force in East Ukraine fighting Russia right now. I've spoken to many of them. that let it go back and forth. And these are former highly trained operators. Uh, Ukraine cannot survive without, uh, you know, this uh, American support, including billions of dollars in weapons, most of which is not getting to the front. It's being grifted off and stolen. And we estimate around 30 percent is actually getting to the Ukrainian people. So that leaves a propaganda war on both sides. It's very difficult to find out what's happening inside Ukraine. Uh, we've had the Nord Stream 2 explosion. There's a lot of uh, you know, schools of thought on who actually did that and who benefits. And recently we have some very striking comments from Joe Biden saying to prepare for nuclear war, you've got uh, the, the US government stockpiling uh, nuclear drugs uh, and, and therapeutics. Uh, so this is a very scary time and we wanna kind of tr- cut through the noise and get to what's really happening in country. Another thing that happened today was Or last night was John Bolton, who is the mouthpiece for the warmongering crowd in the Middle East and and also now in Russia is calling for the assassination of Vladimir Putin. So to top that off, let's look at what's happening in Ukraine real briefly, some latest intelligence, and then we'll talk to Pete. So you have the uh, Zaporozhye nuclear power plant in the South. There's continued shelling around it, uh, mostly taking out transmission lines. It's working on spare generators now. A very dangerous situation The control of the plant goes back and forth. Um, you've had a gas leak in the Baltic Sea, uh, from which is creating an economic and uh, ec- environmental disaster from the explosions of the North Street Pipeline. There's a lot of confusion over a lot of the Russians, which are uh, allegedly fleeing the country because of the mobilization. Um, the truth is somewhere in the middle. The propaganda, you know, mockingbird media in the West is saying that you know a million Russians are leaving the country. That's not true. Uh, a lot are and have escaped and gone out of country. But there's a lot of patriotism still in Russia, and a lot of them are signing up. So that is not, you have to be very careful what you see and, and believe uh, coming from the media. Uh, Zelensky uh, says he won't meet with Putin, no negotiations. Again, he's only propped up by American weapons. Once that goes away, his tone will likely change. Uh, Biden said he would meet with Putin, so we'll see where that goes. Liz Truss outed herself as a globalist a mouthpiece entirely, saying uh, it's all Vladimir Putin's fault in Ukraine, which is also not true. Um, you know the the battle in Kherson has is is still raging in the south, and in the north around Kharkiv, there has been an Ukraine, Ukrainian offensive, but it's probably not as successful as what people are are saying in the media. Uh, but Russia is having major problems. Uh, a lot of their leaders are incompetent and not really. Um, You know, they have a top-down military structure, which prevents a lot of innovation on the ground. And and so that prevents a lot of effectiveness that the U.S. forces, U.S. trained forces have. So with that, I want to move over to Pete Blaber and bring him in. And and I'm going to let you listen to the entire conversation. And and that'll be the end of the show. But uh, next week, we'll be back with an even more interesting guest. So here's my discussion with Pete. And please join us every Sunday. At three thirty for Ukrainian Sit Rep. Thank you. So, welcome to the first issue of Ukraine SITREP. Rep. Uh, my name is Todd Wood. Uh, just a quick background on me: I'm an Air Force Academy grad. I flew mh 53 js for AFSOC, uh, which worked for JSOC back in the day, flying uh, counterterrorism teams uh, around the world. And we have with us a very interesting guest, which who I know you I know you'll enjoy listening to. Pete Blaber is a former commander of an elite counterterrorism team. Uh, The team name shall not be named. Uh, We'll leave it at that. Uh, Welcome, Pete.
1: Thanks, Todd. Great to be here.
0: So, uh, you know, we are going to talk Ukraine, you have a lot of thoughts on the let's start from the 30,000 foot view. Before the show, you were telling me some ideas, which I found really uh, strikingly interesting. So tell us, tell us your thoughts, Pete. And we'll interject some of the specifics and, you know, tactics on the ground as we go along.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it it starts, uh, as as most issues do today, uh, with how do we make sense of it? Um, And, you know, this is not just some random foreign policy uh, issue, uh, who's going to be the head of the next uh, of a country or whatnot. They're now talking about exchanges of nuclear weapons. So this is an issue perhaps the most important issue uh, to not just American society, but free people across the world uh, that we've had uh, maybe since the pandemic. Um, and, and you know, there's three things I think that come to my mind right off the bat that we have to internalize uh, so that we can actually make sense of what's happening mm-hmm. and together make sensible choices about what we should do next. Uh, so the first is, uh, this is a 100% information operation war. Um, and by all sides and by all sides, I mean, there's more than just Russia and Ukraine here, there's NATO, uh, which is the Europe part of NATO and of course the U S um, and you know, it's just turned into a, a massive propaganda war, everything we hear uh, is either debunked or forgotten within 48 hours. Uh, uh, just in the last month, we've seen reports of airfields being taken, of mass surrenders, and of massive successes by a Ukrainian offensive, and they've all turned out to be uh, BS. Uh, you know, all you have to ask is where's where's the proof? Mm-hmm. Uh, so to prep for this uh, discussion, I went back and looked at about 130 videos online uh, that purport to show uh, successes by the Ukrainians against the Russians. And I didn't find a single one of those that I believed was genuine combat. Um, wow. You know, uh, the vast majority of the most popular video seems to be drones dropping uh, hand grenades in plastic cups on individual troops. Uh, but, you know, when you're putting a video like that up to show the, excess, the success of an offensive, uh, you know you're hurting for proof. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a uh, ex-general uh, go on the air last week and talk about that offensive and how successful it was and how if the Russians didn't use a nuclear weapon, we would win that limited exchange by destroying every uh, Russian military uh vehicle and person uh, on the scene and you know to to show proof of this magnificent offensive there was a color-coded map that moved uh, to show uh, the uh, advances by the ukrainians and let, for- let me
0: break in there just for our audience this general didn't give the flip side and that the, the russians have been modernizing their nuclear forces for the last decade you know with the satan missiles which have like 30 different warheads and Can Hmm. destroy texas with one and and their underwater nuclear uh doomsday you know torpedoes and all this stuff so that was conveniently left off because as many people say the other side in a war gets gets to shoot back you know so anyway go ahead yeah and
1: you know again color-coded maps where the front is moving uh when you're talking about a war being fought in this case the ukrainians who don't have uh, who, who don't have organic contiguous divisions and brigades fighting. They're fighting in piecemeal right now. Uh, and so whenever uh, anyone in the military sees a color-coded map moving in massive waves across the country, they know that's, that's just a bad metaphor for what's actually happening. Um, and, you know, again, where's the story of the, uh, massive success of that offensive now? It's gone. Uh, and, You know, that brings up another question. Where are the frontline reporters and actual videos, the embedded reporters uh, who are with these Ukrainian armored and mechanized units uh, who are routing the Russians? Where are these? Uh, We have to keep asking ourselves those questions uh, because what we're seeing is they don't exist. Uh, We're literally living in a Wizard of Oz time uh, where we see this grandiose uh, display in front of us. And uh, it's all being controlled by, you know, a single old man behind a curtain. Um, you know,
0: on the flip side of that, the Russians have a lot of propaganda too. I mean, so they sure do. you really can't, it's really hard to discern what's actually going on on the ground, right?
1: Well said. And uh, so again, you know, that comes to you know that comes to just the summarization of this number two we just cannot trust the corporate media and it's important in today's world and corporate media means uh you know big tech Mm -hmm. and the mainstream media together uh because we now know they they are together Mm -hmm. um but you know there's an old human nature saying uh once bitten twice shy and it's a very uh important principle because you know it's human nature. If someone walks in and punches you in the face for no reason, the next time you're around that person, you're not going to allow them within six feet of you, and you're going to be very cautious because mm-hmm. they punched you in the face. Well, we need to, we the people need to take that perspective. We need to say it out loud to ourselves and, and to each other because of what we've gone through over the past uh, few years. You know, we now have physical evidence in the form of uh, recently uh, unclassified documents that everything we were told about Russian collusion, um, about the Mueller report, spying on Americans, uh, the, um, the virus, the vaccine, the 2020 election and the January 6th protests was either 100% wrong or knowingly false. And that's a fact, we have documents to back that up. So once bitten, twice shy, we can't believe anything we're getting uh, from either the mainstream media, uh, big tech or the administration that controls them. And that's not a political statement that's a fact, and uh, we should all be willing to say that no matter what administration is running the country, when those checks and balances break down, uh, we're we're Ichabod Crane, the headless horseman, just riding around uh, without any knowledge of where we're going or knowledge of what's going to happen next. Which
0: is probably the intent, right?
1: By yeah. Whoever that, is
0: running the country.
1: Yep so we've got to get back to good old facts and critical thinking and fortunately for us we can do that and fortunately for us we have independent media like yours Todd uh, where there's an outlet for us to go uh, and to listen to each other and pressure test what we believe because you know what we believe in first uh, you know first reports is almost always inaccurate, incomplete, or both. And so, you know, we have to critically think about these issues Uh, and that brings up the third point. Um, We have to take politics out of uh, anything that we try to make sense of. And what's happened again, those same, you know, uh, organizations that I just talked about have made everything political. And, you know, it's important to remind ourselves, politics is a man-made-up concept. Politics doesn't exist in nature. Nowhere in nature is there is there a political party. Uh, and if we all forgot or had a, uh, you know, an alien mind eraser weapon hit us overnight, we'd never think about politics again because they're 100% man-made up. And they the problem with them is they contaminate the way you think about the world, and you know, a good example of that is what we're seeing right now. Uh, this isn't black and white. Uh, it shouldn't be support Ukraine, love Zelensky, defeat Russia, hate Putin. Uh, yeah. That's classical. Uh, You know, Ukraine was rated before this started uh, number two hundred fifty-two out of two hundred fifty-seven of the world's countries as the most corrupt so they were yeah. 252nd most corrupt uh country in the world only five were rated as being more corrupt than them um so you know i've been to ukraine and i know you have too ukraine is a beautiful country with beautiful people but just like us the citizens are not the government that's making all the decisions yeah.
0: And is not working for the people of ukraine exactly yeah. and yeah. he's not
1: the people of ukraine and yeah the US government the backers are not the people of Ukraine yeah. and that's another reason why we need to heed these lessons of the past we just learned it again in Afghanistan that you have to be very careful about doing anything outside your own borders and outside your own
0: direct national interests and yes. uh, you know Well that that brings up a question Pete are, is Ukraine the war in Ukraine in the US national interests, national security interests?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer, I think, is a resounding no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the first I'll tell you my thoughts on it, and then I'll tell you yeah. uh, why it's so important that we actually can't answer that question. So my first is just physical, the geography of Ukraine Uh, if you look at it and it's important to do and every American should know where Ukraine is and know what the border countries are to its east and west uh, and you know uh, it to the north Russia to the north Uh, but when you look at it you see you know uh, they're not going to take Ukraine so they can take the United States invade the United States Uh, you know you there is no there is no Geo- geologic reason for this to be in our national interests. We have no history uh, in Ukraine, uh, as far as uh, national interests go. Um, but I said, yeah, I, I, I want to frame it with why it's so important. You know, it's not incumbent of us. We, we shouldn't be sitting here trying to come up with reasons for why this does or doesn't make sense. That's the prime responsibility of any government that makes the decision to go to war. And so think about it. Has anyone from this administration or anyone in the Pentagon gotten up and said, here's what we're doing. We're providing military aid to the Ukrainians as well as uh, training aid. And here's the reason we're doing it. First of all, second of all, and thirdly. That's how you persuade someone. That's how you convince someone. That's how you convey knowledge and logic. But that's not being done. There's no purpose uh, for being over there. And if you don't have a purpose, then a number of problems occur. You don't know what success or failure looks like. So are we going to continue pumping in billions of dollars into Ukraine because we have no idea what works and what doesn't work mm-hmm. are we going to continue pushing the envelope on this nuclear threat for no reason uh so it should raise it, it's not only a uh, failing of the current administration and the current pentagon leadership but it's also uh it's also a revealing fact
0: they don't have a logic of why we're over there which yeah what what, what does winning look like what does victory look like you know? right. And so if that's, if they can't come
1: up with a reason that makes sense for being over there, we must be over there for something that doesn't make any sense. And, uh, you know-
0: I have an idea. What is your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) uh, You know, mine would just be conjecture. Usually it's a wag the dog thing. You know, you're trying to distract from something else. It could be uh, make everyone forget about Afghanistan or- Yeah, or it could be another move for the future, a kind of chess-like move. Mm -hmm. So we create another national emergency, uh, you know, in time for uh, future elections or something else. And again, I'm just guessing, Mm -hmm. and and that that should not, all of us should be allowed to guess out loud because this administration has not told us anything else. There's no We have nothing to pivot off of, except our own imaginations
0: at this point. So um, I completely agree. Uh, And we'll get into some of the other bigger chess moves like Nord Stream and other things in a second. But let's talk about uh, down to the micro level um, uh, on the battlefield. I I recently spent some time with a lot of former SF retired and also are still working in the business, but not with an official uniform on. I know a lot of those are guys are involved over there. You want to talk about that a minute? Uh, because there's there's U.S. guys on the ground, and I believe we're doing a lot of the, not all the fighting, but a lot of the effective fighting on the ground. I should say.
1: Yeah. Well, so I'm not there, so I can't uh, I can't comment on that now. What I believe is that uh, the U.S. forces are in uh, Poland only, training in Poland. Um I, I know there are some Brits on the ground in Ukraine, but I believe that's because they just don't have, you know, it's a it's a uh it's a matter of expediency for them. They're trying to contribute, they can't contribute like us, mm-hmm. which is set up all base in Poland, uh bring in, you know, thousands of sorties of C seventeens mm-hmm. to uh put the amount of equipment and personnel ground to make a difference and then sustain that group, right. uh, which is incredibly uh, expensive. So that's what I know. But it's, you know, it worries me because it's the same. It's the same issue, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those guys are, I'm sure, you know, there's plenty of armor and mechanized guys over there. And I have no doubt there's plenty of special operations guys. Uh, but if they don't know their purpose, if they don't have a purpose they can believe in, then even being in an adjoining country uh, is is very questionable. And you know, everything changes when a contingency happens, when you know an accident happens there, a mass casualty accident, uh, or a training accident, any anything like that, or you know, Russians lobbying uh, long range missile over yes. that because they traced an electronic signature uh, that, you know, came from there and the tail of that electronic signature took out one of their battalions or brigades or whatnot, uh, which would be, you know- the Which was legal, the yeah. You're right. Yeah. Well, so again, you know, our our military is being set up for failure uh, by just being put over there without a specific purpose. and. You know, I'm not pretending this is some new revelation. You know, what one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Was mm-hmm. one of the most popular songs mm-hmm. uh, we all see when we look at videos of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's because that's what it comes down to for any time you go to war or combat, you've got to have a purpose and that purpose has to make sense or you're a dead man walking. And. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't need another mass embarrassment, mass failure. Uh, but we, most of all, we don't need any more of our mo- one of our most precious assets, our people <laughs> dying yeah. uh, for no reason uh, and no reason that anyone will ever talk about.
0: Do you know if the uh, my sense is, and I've heard different numbers, but I think only around thirty approximate percent of the aid that is being sent to Ukraine is actually getting to the front. Um, What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I've heard the same thing. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I, in addition to uh, a friend who is just over there, uh, I have contacts with that I met uh, while I was in the US military, there's Mm -hmm. uh, Ukrainian officers, you may know a few have been a big part of the military exchange program for the last 30 years, at least. So in our officer basic courses and our advanced courses, there's usually, or it's common to see one or two Ukrainians. And Mm -hmm. uh, I know a couple of them and they're very insightful. And, you know, every time I've, I've had the opportunity to talk with them, you know, I I come back with the same things. One, just like before, where, where are the reporters embedded, you know, taking live videos, uh, talking from on the ground perspective. Where are the Ukrainian people, you know, just being allowed to have their uh, 30 seconds or one minute of uh, of uh, input as to what's going on and what their issues are and what their thoughts are on the future? And when you talk to them, uh, you know, the Ukrainians are very patriotic. Uh, you know, my, my one friend compared them uh, to the U.S., in the, you know, during the Revolutionary War, farmers, everyone's willing to fight. Mm-hmm. But they also worry about their own country. And we can relate to this. Uh, they worry because they know the reality of the Ukrainian government. Uh, You know, since independence in the early 90s, they made an effort to privatize their economy, like all the ex-Soviet states did. Mm-hmm. They only got Twenty percent done with that, so eighty percent of the Ukrainian economy, which is a robust economy, is still owned by oligarchy and government and ex-government officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your basic Ukrainian citizen is worried about that because, mm-hmm. just like here, you know, we're not in on the the Google billions aren't helping. Uh, you know, right on the ground pay for their gas or uh pay their mortgages or pay for their groceries uh you know we don't see any of that money yeah. we just watch the results of it and
0: that's which is bad it's nefarious the results are bad it is. Yeah. it is so
1: that's why you know you you come back to that point about uh you know what's happening and what the future is well even the ukrainians themselves have doubts about their own ability to govern themselves. Uh, and, you know, the ability to take the next step, even if they were to uh, route the Russians, and suddenly have, you know, the entire old borders of Ukraine back to themselves.
0: What do you, I, there's also a lot of concern about uh, US stores being depleted, uh, and, and maybe even being depleted intentionally um have you thought about that you know you were talking sophisticated systems like the javelins you know helleborn missiles uh high mars you know go down the list
1: yeah so i mean the javelin is the one i have a little bit of specific knowledge of and the reason anyone who's fired a javelin knows that the the rocket itself is amazing but that's not what makes the system it's mm-hmm. the uh rangefinder site the thermal site which is you know the size of uh you know one foot by one foot cardboard box it and i can't even imagine how much it costs it's got to be hundreds of thousands of dollars amazingly sophisticated piece of equipment so you know a javelin is not just like an rpg you got to have that box with it uh, or you can't fire it and it is a game-changing system uh you know we were able to operate 500 miles behind enemy lines in the pre-invasion of iraq because of the javelin the javelin is the great ground equalizer uh and it'll be looked back that way in history because now a bunch of guys on the ground can take on a bunch of tanks as long as they have a bunch of javelins on them yeah yeah and they can do it from uh from a great distance where the tanks can't see them but they can see the tanks so they're very important. And my, my experience is, uh, I think the same as yours, I heard complaints about the thermal sites being taken, uh, that's what's stored in most, uh, most military uh, weapons rooms, mm-hmm. uh, weapons lockers, and those were taken away from many special operation forces. Um, the problem with having some kind of opinion on it is, you know, none of us have any knowledge of the reality of the DoD procurement system right now. So yeah. if we took that and gave it to the Ukrainians, it'd be okay if the, uh, you know, the, the assembly line was moving at the time, and they were pumping out, uh, you know, 100 um, javelin sites a day, but you know, that's not the case. Uh, and I don't believe that's the case. So how those are getting replaced, I don't know i know that the pre-positioned stocks if you remember back uh you know that came into prominence in the gulf war uh, Mm -hmm. everyone talked about you know these pre-positioned ships that have brigades plus of armored mechanized equipment artillery ammunition food that just float around in the oceans of the world always at the ready to go in and provide equipment um what I have been told is that we used all of those prepositioned supplies uh, that were uh, for Europe, uh, and we gave them to the Ukrainians. Um, how good a deal that is? Again, I have no idea. And on the one hand, it could mean, hey, okay, that means now we get to replace them uh, with all brand new stuff, and most of that was probably thirty years old. Uh, mm-hmm. but again, how long does it take to replace it? I, you know, yeah. the the supply chain is hard broke worldwide right now. Yes, say that as a business owner, hard broke. Yeah. Um, and so i I can say with great with a great deal of assurity surety that this military supply chain is broke too. If you can't get a chip to make a Cadillac Escalade, then you can't get a chip to make you know a javelin. Uh, site. So all the same things go. Uh, Again, we are owed some answers. We the people are owed some answers. Where did that equipment go specifically? Uh, Was it replaced? And if not, when will it be replaced? And at what cost? Are we twice as much as what we originally heard uh, in the billions numbers? Or, you know, was that part of the calculation? we'll give them 10 billion and buy, you know, 20 billion of new stuff to replace it uh, equals 30 billion. I don't know. And again, that's a question that needs to be answered by uh, the right. administration and the Pentagon.
0: Do you, we're, we're essentially in Ukraine, uh, you know, it's, it's NATO more modernized equipment fighting, you know, post-Soviet tactics and and troop structures, uh, mostly. Now, mostly conscripts, because I think a lot of their contract soldiers uh, have been killed. uh, A lot of their frontline. So have we learned anything tactics wise on how to deal with these guys? Uh,
1: Yeah, it again, you know, probably the most important uh, or one of the most important questions uh, that not only should be asked, but should be an ongoing uh, tasking to all the military uh, involved in this. So I'd say, yeah, three things we've, we've learned and relearned. Uh The first is never underestimate the Russians. Uh, it's very easy to do. Um, we know they have their issues. Uh, but, you know, this is their soil. Uh, and they have proven many times in the past, that when it comes to uh, improvising and equaling uh, our advanced technology. They, they've been up to the task. Uh, mm-hmm. And probably, you know, just as important, though less physical is, you know, the Russians have shown they can take pain and hardships. And because mm-hmm. of their closed system, you know, there, there's, not, uh, there's not what we have in the U.S., which is, you know, think of back when Iraq, you know, first started under Bush, mm-hmm uh you know if you were back here all you got was you know 95% negative uh about you know being in Iraq fighting in Iraq uh participating in the war they don't get any of that and uh they're very nationalistic to start with so again never underestimate them uh i just say that up front the second thing we've learned is they're 100% leader dependent and that's mm-hmm. primarily a weakness but a weakness that comes with an asterisk. It's a weakness because, uh, you know, it's their officer-centric approach to military organizations. And that's a communist socialist uh, fixed pattern. They know there is no other way, if you believe in communism and socialism, even authoritative top-down leadership. Uh, Fortunately, we in the U.S. have had uh, the good fortune of all of our great patriotic ancestors who have taught us uh, from experience that that system is a 100% uh, formula for failure.
0: It's very 19th century, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it is. doesn't work. Yeah.
1: It is tied, but it's important mm-hmm. to internalize because it's the same issue China has. Mm-hmm. And so that brings up the third point. The third learning is it brings on this inability to adapt. Uh, And that's, again, the Achilles heel of all authoritarian militaries, uh, not just the Russians, but the Chinese, too. Never, never, uh, you know, overestimate the Chinese military capability either, although it's very formidable. They have all kinds of equipment. Once the Sierra hits the fan and chaos is introduced, uh, the top-down method completely falls apart. you know,
0: it makes sense
1: if you- Especially if that, you
0: have no communications to the, you know, you got to have leaders on the ground who can, NCOs who can, you know, take the fight to the enemy. So- said, Well said. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: remember in the early phases, we saw the mass armor formations stacked on roads, you know, rushing. Yeah. And the, to me though, that's a little snapshot of that inability to adapt, uh, the inability to improvise. If you had an NCO Corps in a professional army the guys in the front even if they had no comms would go you know f it i'm going around i'm going through this field uh you know we'll build a bridge over the creek up ahead and uh but we got to get moving i was
0: told a story real quick by uh an sf guy who just came back from there and the ukrainians have figured out that if, if they fly a drone into the windshield of the first vehicle in the convoy that vehicle will stop and then none of the rest of them will do anything. So they're sitting ducks to javelins or whatever. So
1: anyway,
0: just to say. Wow, well,
1: so again, an important point. Uh, You know, the Ukrainians, the strength of the Ukrainian military is their special operations. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, most of their conventional military, I believe, has either been destroyed or disrupted to such an extent that it's no longer uh, you know, from, a, um, yeah, it, it's no longer a system. It's no longer a brigade of division, whatever, but they're special ops guys who have been training with U.S. and Western special ops for over 30 years now. Uh, made a decision 30 years ago to go to the Western approach to military organization, which is uh, a professional uh a professional force that's led by professional non-commissioned officers and officers and the uh, ukrainian special ops is that it has ncos senior ncos uh that are you know co-manage the team co-lead the team with the officers when the officer's not there they lead the team uh and they live it and they can see how effective it is in your example of the you know, uh, the drone flying into a windshield is a great example of not just, you know, what comes out of that, but of that ability to adapt and to innovate on the fly in combat. It it rules the day uh, in most battles and most wars.
0: I have a problem Pete, with, um, you know, we're not at war with Russia, although we are in a proxy war. Yep. I hear a lot of U.S. military off senior, senior, senior officers talking about, let's go kill Russians. <laughs> I have a big problem with that. I mean, you're talking about the largest nuclear force in the world, first of all. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, my, my thought would be to just ask the simple one word question. Why? Mm-hmm. Why do you hate the Russians? Why do you hate Putin? And, you know, I think... <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be answered with silence yeah. because somebody tell me right now why why we should hate Russia and why we should not be trying to instead of uh, pivot off of every disagreement, why are we not trying to find common ground which there's plenty of common ground uh, and even as a common man in any country of the world, you can see that We have many of our uh, international um philosophies are run parallel to each other. The, look at how many Russian Americans there are living in this country, uh, you know, who are integral parts of, of our country and our the, our way of life. Uh, so, you know, to me, this is back to that get politics out of the real world. Uh, mm-hmm. Politics, are don't, don't exist in nature politics are 100% the result of our emotional brain. You can't talk mm-hmm. about politics and not engage your emotional brain. Yeah. Uh, whereas to make sense of what's going on around us and sensible choices about the future, you have to engage your neocortex, your thinking brain. It doesn't have any prejudices. Mm-hmm. It just deals with the facts and what's going on around us. And so my response to anyone who says, you know, you're wrong because you don't hate Putin or you hate, you don't hate Russia. My question is why, why should I hate Putin and why should I hate Russia? Um, There's certainly plenty of other bad actors and bad countries there that you can pick to, you know, throw your ire toward. But I I do not see it with Russia and I don't believe most people do. I think those military officers, I have never heard that, but the ones you're talking about, you know, are the victims of you know repetition breeds recognition it's the central organizing principle of propaganda it's- i also think
0: it's a narrative that's being foisted down from the top but right. um, and, propaganda. And, you know i dealt with i have a team on the ground in ukraine that i've built over the last decade and they feed they still to this day feed me what's going on and one of the things and these are guys and one of them was a lieutenant colonel and, and actually fought against the russians in 2014 in Donbass and uh his his comment to me was you know we know the russians we'll deal with the russians my his worry to get his country back was soros and the corruption he said we want our country back yeah this is what and so this is what people need to understand and you and i talking about not hating russians i mean ukrainian people are fantastic i mean they took care of me they got me out of the country during the invasion when i was in the downtown in kiev and just fairly just warm hearted people didn't let me pay for a thing and got me out of the country. And so, you know, I love them, but the the government is a whole nother issue. And it's really not working for the Ukrainian people. It's working for Brussels, for World Economic Forum, whatever that cabal is that's pushing this destruction around the world, in my opinion. And then this is the sad part about Ukraine is you have this war that's killing, you know, Ukrainians for what? You know, it didn't have to happen. I mean, they had the Minsk agreements. They could have implemented those on both sides and they didn't so uh, you know because they wanted a war in my opinion um but let, let's move on to a couple more questions on ukraine then i want to talk about dod uh Nord Stream one and two there was the explosion what are your thoughts on that
1: well you know again uh we can't believe anything we get from the mainstream media and that because this is an io war we really can't believe anything we get from uh ukraine or russia and unfortunately, from the U.S., Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, I say that with heavy heart uh, Mm -hmm. because it's just so such a shocker to me uh, to be sitting here and to actually be saying it. But, you know, we can look at it and apply common sense. And I think, you know, most of the commentators uh, who have done that, Colonel McGregor and a few others, you know, are widely criticized for doing it, but you can't escape the basic question of, you know, why there's Mm -hmm. gotta be a logic of why to to go to the lengths they had to go to, which required some massive complex calculations, uh, you know, of how to do it, how to do it cleanly, uh, how to do it uh, quietly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, this was not, uh, you know, this was not manslaughter, you know, yeah. this was premeditated. And who does it help? Well, you know, could Russia have done it? Sure, they could have. Uh, but why? Why yeah. would they can just turn the pipeline off? Uh, why would they blow it to smithereens, so that it's completely non useful, and it can't compete with uh, the other pipeline that comes in uh, through Poland. So, you know, it's, it leaves you with the question, well, who else had a motivation to do it? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, that list is pretty short. Uh, And it's hard to ignore back to the original point about the technology required, and the planning required. Uh, It's hard to ignore that, and then discount that the US could have been uh, involved in this. Uh, I know, physically there's radar uh there's evidence radar evidence that uh both uh, fixed i believe a p3 was flying in the area as well as uh some helicopters uh they have the patterns that they were flying it was right over the area um and right uh in sync with the timing of when they uh when the when the pipeline blew mm-hmm. so you know again it just uh it's hard to deny that it was u.s and and i say it again uh we have to take politics out of everything it doesn't matter what your politics are uh you should never support uh a kinetic move like this with such massive uh you know worldly implications yeah uh, it, it's you know taking out. Physical infrastructure of Russia, yeah. and that's what we did there. And yeah. you know, why? Why did we do it?
0: Uh, you know, and I know. again, the other side gets to shoot back. So, what are they going to take exactly. out? Under- exactly. Undersea cables, internet, finance, energy, you know, yeah. comms. Think about it. You know, yes. Yeah. So just- what if they go and
1: cut our, uh, you know, our cables that run from here yeah. to Europe? Yeah. Uh, you know, with all of our uh, technology embedded in those cables, I'm not even gonna say what it is. Uh, what do we do then? Yeah. What's the counter move and uh, and yeah. all they gotta do is, is deny it just like we did. Right? Right. You well, know, I just don't see it. It's a mystery. And I think it's a mystery and needs to be solved. Uh, you know,
0: Yeah, people need to be held accountable. And now Biden's now talking about nuclear war. I mean, that's not comforting. We got to get rid of this guy. But that's a whole nother issue for 30 days from now. Um, <laughs> so let, let's swap, let's swap switch Gears here and talk about DOD itself. Uh, we have real problems with cultural Marxism being taught, gender aff- affirming ideology. Uh, you know w- what everybody knows what's happening in the US military, the vaccines, all of this is negative and hurting the force. Recruiting's weighed down, readiness is weighed down. We all know the problems. How do we resolve this? You know, let's let's say we get a new administration in quickly. It's going to take a while, right, to resolve these issues.
1: Uh, yeah, it will, because we've got, you know, um, the cancer of that philosophy, uh, you know, will carry on once even they take the, you know, chop the head off it. Mm. uh, It will carry on. And, you know, for those uh, senior officers who have pledged their allegiance Uh, to this nonsense, Uh, you know, not only are they going to have to live with themselves, but uh, as part of that purge, uh, there should be no doubt about what door they should be shown. Uh, You know, I I believe the core of the military is still intact. Um, And look, this is not just under Biden. Uh, The military was attacked for eight years from eight to 16 um relentless and you know it had a four-year reprieve and then right back into it with this Mm -hmm. willingness uh you asked me what i think needs to happen i think we need to it's about leadership uh you know presidential leadership and then department of defense leadership we need someone in charge of dod who not only takes their oath of office to support and defend the Constitution, but takes it to support and defend the mission, the purpose of our military, uh, and to get back into that. And anything that cannot be directly uh, correlated with that purpose is just nonsense, like it Mm -hmm. used to be. Uh, You know, the fact we're teaching all those things you just mentioned, uh, you know, is bad enough, but it comes at an opportunity cost, and yes. what we should be doing instead of that. And one of the things we should be doing is teaching leadership, yes. uh, you know, because it's leaders who are going to save the day here, and it's leaders who are going to bring us back. But we're now uh, creating a whole cohort of uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines who have had very few snapshots of true common sense leadership. And as we know, leadership is learned. Um, you know, there's a natural component, but most of leadership is learned. You have to have metaphors, you have to have models. You have to see what a common sense leader does in crisis situations. And that's, that's the most important thing to get back to. And that should be the priority of the new military, uh, along with Uh, a number of new uh call them what you will uh laws uh one of which should be uh no one in the military should ever be forced to take any chemical substance with that does not have long-term safety and efficacy data behind it and even at that point that person should still there should still be options for that person just like there are options for people who don't believe in pulling the trigger and shooting another person c- called conscientious objectors. yes uh, we need the same thing uh, for vaccines and for all the political silliness uh, that goes along with it uh, we just have to get it 100% out of uh, the system and yeah. I believe we can do that uh, but it's not going to happen till uh, you know the leader we have a leadership change.
0: Yeah, we had some reports come out this week that the vaccines are actually being manufactured by Chinese companies, uh, many of them belonging to the PLA. So there's some real accountability that's going to come down on these senior officers pushing this garbage. And to your point on leadership, you know, I remember at the Academy, I get drilled into us. What is important is the mission of the U.S. Air Force. I mean, that is not your feelings, not your, you know, breaking things and killing people. I mean, that was the mission, you know, so we need to get back to that. And then everything else, as you said, supports that. Pete, um, tell us about your, uh, your recent books. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So uh, my second book
1: came out last year, it's called The Common Sense Way, a new way to think about leading and organizing. I've mentioned a number of the concepts here. It's about how we make sense and how we make sensible choices. And it's uh, stories are from my military experiences and the lessons are in you know put in the context of uh, decision making and problem solving that really is what leadership is a good leader is not someone who uh, makes funny jokes uh, is handsome and lets you go home from work early every night a good leader is someone who makes good decisions solves complex problems that set the conditions for their people to succeed And that's what my second book is about uh, along with the stories. And, uh, you know, I I had it planned for a long time, but I never thought it would be uh, as timely as it is right now. Uh, and, you know, it came out almost exactly when Afghanistan fell, uh, the month before Afghanistan fell. And, you know, Afghanistan is a living, breathing example of uh, incompetent decision-making inability to solve simple and complex problems and the results, uh, that occur from that on the world stage. So that's the second book I, you know, like I said, it's been out for a year. I went right back in, I have a third book it's called common sense, leadership matters. Uh, you're the first one to hear about it. It's a department of defense pre-publication review right now. Uh, it's a case study in common sense leadership and toxic leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is what I was talking about before toxic leadership is a huge problem in the military uh, as it is in the corporate world. And I'd say, you know, the reason I I, I say both together is because uh, it used to be much rarer in the military than it is today. But when common sense leadership is no longer taught and rewarded, toxic leaders fill the void. And the case study uses uh, the uh, Pat Tillman incident uh, and uh, goes through from start to finish to say what really happened to him and his platoon. And the wow. involvement from that was on multiple levels. Um, it started in Iraq uh, the year before he died. And uh it culminated when his mother, Mary Tillman asked me to review all of the uh, investigative documents over 3,500 pages along with the videotapes and photos and tell her what really happened. Because when she asked me, which was in 2017, she still in 17 and today, doesn't know what happened to her son and doesn't know if he was killed on purpose or accident. And the reason for that uh, which is similar to what we're talking about here is she was lied to so many times she no longer knew what she should or shouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. So she asked me to look into it. I went through it. It was, you know, it sounds like it'd be a um, you know, a very painful experience, but just the opposite was true. Uh, it was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had in writing. Um, I love the way it turned out. It's The book is about the lessons we can learn from it uh, all along the way. And the main lesson is common sense leadership matters and toxic leadership destroys. Um, And, you know, again, very timely for what we're watching on the world stage today. Um, And, you know, very uh, fulfilling for me. Uh, You know, I've uh, Pat Tillman's mom is very classy person, does does not want to be uh did not want to pre-read my uh, manuscript because she didn't want to infect affect what i wrote uh she wanted to know what i thought about what happened and what we the people can learn from it and uh that's what i did and that book will be out uh within a couple months of when i get it back from dod which uh, i'm hoping is uh is sometime soon
0: so where do people go to the best place to get the books and find out more about you yeah, they can go to my website,
1: PeteBlaver.com, uh, which has all my books on it. Uh, Amazon has them. Apple Books has them uh, also. But they can go to my website. There's uh, a number of articles I put on there also. One is about the collapse of Afghanistan. Uh, and I'll be putting excerpts from my new book on there uh, within the next few weeks. I just need to get uh, initial word back from DOD that, uh you know so far it's past its initial cursory inspection
0: hey thanks so much i think we're going to have you back on obviously as the show progresses uh thanks for coming on the first uh first episode of ukraine sit rep and uh, we'll have you back uh, down the road uh often thank you sounds good todd thank you